Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Vredestein Pinza AT. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. The Volume. DraftKings, the leader in fantasy sports, just dropped a brand new fantasy app, Pick 6. Pick 6 is the newest way for you to get in on fantasy football action with DraftKings. Just pick between 2 and 6 NFL players and choose if they're going to have more or less of a stat. For example, will a player have more or less than 100 rushing yards, or will a player have more than one touchdown? Track your lineup and compete against others for a shot at huge cash prizes. Download the DraftKings Pick 6 app now and sign up with code JOHN. That's code J-O-H-N, JOHN, only on DraftKings Pick 6. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-789. 777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What is going on, everybody? How are we doing? John Middlecoff, the Reno Podcast. Monday night, I uh, recorded a lot of the podcast during the day, but I just wanted to watch the opening ceremonies with the two teams. In case something crazy was said, I should have been smarter. These are veteran teams with a lot of star players. It was not as crazy as I was hoping. Fun little night. Fun little night in Vegas to kick off Super Bowl week. The two teams are there. Everything's rolling. So we'll dive into opening ceremonies. Some thoughts on some things I've seen around Roger Goodell, who the big J's and the, the old school legacy journalists 
are not happy with. Some other thoughts on coaching. Cliff Kingsbury, officially now in Washington. Ben Johnson texted the commanders, I'm out, while they were flying to him. And it turns out Mike Vrabel's just too big and too intimidating to get hired in the NFL. And then just some other coaching stuff, as well as the Middlecoff mailbag. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. You guys know the drill. DMs wide open, fire in. DMs wide open, two Fs, John Middlecoff, fire in. I think the game plan shows all week. I'm going to Vegas. Maria was like, should we just stay an extra day and just go Wednesday, Thursday, and stay Friday? I was like, yeah. I mean, when's 49ers, Chiefs? How do you get, bit, how do you get better than that? Might as well take it all in. Not very far away, so I, I might stay an extra night and just see what's going down in Vegas. Why not? It's, you know, waste management's here, but it's pouring rain. It's like, yeah, just, let's go to Vegas. Let's, let's have a good time and uh, see where the wind takes us. So, but the content will not slow down. Talking to Stucky tomorrow, we'll probably put that on Wednesday. A prop-heavy show, obviously. I think you guys know the drill, so let's roll. But first, you guys know about my very, very close friends and the official ticketing app of this podcast. I was just talking to, uh, I'm on a text chain with my brother and a couple of our good friends. And we have a family friend, successful business guy, that just bought six tickets to the big game. Going to Vegas. He spent over $70,000. Now, most of us won't be doing anything like that. But if you want to go to an event, probably a little more economical, you want to go to a concert, you want to go to a comedy show, you want to go to a, a football game, obviously you only got one more game left, but basketball, hockey, baseball's right around the corner. You a Yankee fan? You want to watch uh, your team miss the playoffs again? Dodger fan? Maybe this is your year. Here's what you need to do. Download the Game Time app. Download the Game Time app. Buy any pair of tickets. And when you do it, type in the promo code JOHN. J-O-H-N. J-O-H-N. $20 off. Just go use my promo code, $20 off. Save yourself a little bit on tickets. I'm just, I'm here to help. Don't need a thank you. Just hammer that promo code. Download the Game Time app. One thing the NFL has done a really, really good job of is just balance the circus of the stories and the substance of the games. Like one problem the NBA has had is their off the court circus of trades, free agency, the woes drama on the pie chart of importance relative to the game dwarfs that. And their games no longer matter. Feels like their games are irrelevant. Baseball's in this world like the the hot stove winter meetings start and no one signs forever. And then their games, like you play 162 of them, there's not much urgency to the sport. Where football, every game matters. You feel urgency when you watch it. Then all the personnel stuff, whether it's trade, whether it's guy getting cut, the storylines about individual players really feel big. And I'm watching media night, which whenever they change the Super Bowl from one week to two, genius. What this thing has become, now you couldn't pay me to attend as a, with a media badge to one of these. It, it seems like my worst nightmare. But as just a fan of football, throwing on the opening ceremonies, watching all these guys on the same stage together, getting asked some questions, it feels big. It starts the lead up to this week, which obviously being in Vegas, the buzz, the Super Bowl, it's a star-studded. I mean, you watch tonight, 
you can't ask for much more star power. You got the best coach and the best quarterback in the Super Bowl. Then you have this team that's trying to finally get over the hump that is full of star players. Andy Reid gave Trent Williams a hug when they were crossing on like the bridge as the Chiefs were leaving and the 49ers were coming. You could tell the big guy didn't want to let go of Trent. He wanted to bring Trent with him to the Chiefs practice facility. And the 49ers are full of stars and they have this polarizing quarterback. Like you can't get anything better than this one team trying to just create a new dynasty and this other team that is absolutely loaded trying to finally get over the hump. And for a long time, that was Andy's career. And then he got over it. And then he got over it again. And we don't even discuss it anymore. And that's what the 49ers feel like right now. And every single human being alive has an opinion on Brock Purdy, which for me right now, I don't know any other opinion beside it's one of the most incredible stories we've ever seen through two years. And if the 49ers win, more than likely history would say the quarterback typically like 70% of the time gets Super Bowl MVP. If he won the Super Bowl MVP, it'd be one of the craziest accomplishments in league history. But just a fun time to be a football fan. This is a fantastic matchup. These are two teams that, you know, both chasing different things. But I thought media night was a good example of all these guys have been there and done that. You're not catching any gotcha moments. None of these guys are going to say anything stupid, at least their star power. We got this growing controversy. I don't know why if you're going to Vegas and you have this state-of-the-art NFL facility with the Raiders, why you wouldn't change like one team practice in the morning and one team practice in the afternoon. It's one thing when you go to Miami or you go to New Orleans and you have access. I know LSU is a little bit far away, but you know what I mean. You go to LA, you can use USC, UCLA, whatever. You go to a place like Vegas. There is clearly a cream of the crop operation in terms of their facilities with the Raiders. And then there's UNLV football, which my entire life has been a joke program. Why wouldn't you stagger the two teams to practice with the Raiders? One practices before lunch, one practices after lunch. Because it's not like you're moving into the coach's office. You go back to your hotel and do your film study, do your meetings and eat. So beside the weight room and the practice facility, you're not there that long. So the 49ers bitching and moaning about their practice field. Obviously, you know, it's outdoors. It's pouring rain. I, I hate the storyline because I don't want any excuse with the 49ers. I, I, it sucks that it came up. But I, I also think this was easily avoidable. Listen, the Chiefs, they're the home team. You guys are both using the Raiders facility. You get first pick. Do you want to practice from 9 to noon or 2 to 5? Take your choice. You guys pick first. Whatever one you don't, Niners, you're there. That would have been an easy solution. The moment last week, there were some unease with the practice facility. Now, Kyle was asked about it. He immediately said, they're not just talking anymore. They're going to practice there. It is what it is. Andy Reid was asked because Matt Barrows, who covers the 49ers, claimed the Chiefs refused to change any of their schedule. He called that bullshit. Listen, we needed a little juice here. Because these players are not going to say anything. Kelsey and Kittle are friends. Purdy and Mahomes have, you know, Big 12 guys a lot in common. Andy Reid and Kyle Shanahan. I mean, Andy's been coaching against the Shanahans for 30 years. But this does add a little bit uh, of something. Because we're not going to get many like, fuck this guy. We're going to kick their ass from any player that matters. Right? I mean, I saw they asked uh, Tony of the Chiefs if he thought he was a number one wide receiver. 
Some of these, and this was by Michael Robinson. Like, Michael, what are you asking him that for? He's lucky to be a number three receiver in the NFL at, at, this, at this rate. So some of these questions, a little outrageous. The young little Jeremiah, if you had a chance to see, the little journalist from Vegas was crushing. Very well-spoken young man asking good questions. Listen, good kickoff to Super Bowl week. Uh, genius by the NFL. I also noticed a lot of the big J's are going after Roger Goodell because he used to do his press conference on Friday, and now he does it on Monday, right before this event, where it limits how many, you know, a lot of guys are flying in. and It is crazy how many people go after Roger Goodell. The NFL has never been more popular. The players and coaches have never made more money. Any media member worth their salt has never made more. The talks about the NFL has never made more than he's making right now in 2024. And if you haven't, that's on you. Like, clearly, you don't know what you're doing. Because the money is flowing around the National Football League. Yet, Roger Goodell, Adam Silver on the flip side, the league is, is going the wrong direction, ratings in the tank, and gets treated like he's fucking Jeff Bezos meets Elon. Like, this guy's a genius. Yet, whenever Roger does anything, the media is just coming for his neck. It's crazy. I'm not some NFL The Shield shill here, but like, it's crazy. Everything has never been healthier. Anyone around the NFL, I can speak for myself, is having a ton of success because of the popularity of the league. So if that's my case, I can't even imagine about the popular quote-unquote big J's. I mean, Florio never stops going after him. Florio's never made more money because of the popularity of this sport. And it's like, it's crazy. It just shows you the difference of the leagues. I mean, Roger Goodell is treated like a criminal. Silver's treated like he's uh, a founding father of sports. And uh, it's wild. I don't even know what to say. I don't know if it's, you know, he, he doesn't need them. So maybe he's not as nice. It's just the, the nature of the way the sport is covered. Uh, as Colin says, there's less pom-pom waving. Maybe overall it keeps the sport healthier with that mindset. I don't quite get it. Like, listen, whether you agree or disagree with everything Roger's doing, at least we can say, like, hey, things are going pretty well right now. Pretty enjoyable. Like, NFL, congrats on the fun season. We, we all benefit. Fans, us to talk about it, players, coaches, executives, owners, everyone surrounded with the league. It's like, things are going pretty well. We're going to complain about certain things because, listen, it's America. It's what we do. It's like, Get this off the streaming services. It's like 23 million people watched on Peacock. <laughs> 300,000 people watched Spurs OKC. I think the NFL is doing something right, guys. But holy mo, I saw so many articles and people going after Roger today. I'm not trying to act like he's Mother Teresa. But holy shit, things are going pretty well right now. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats. That grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. 
Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. They help you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Did you know 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites? LinkedIn's the only one I use. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, let's dive into some coaching news around the league. I watched a decent amount of Dan Quinn's press conference. And to me, the biggest story coming out of Washington is... Not really the head coach or anything that I saw said was there, uh, or I saw that he said on on the uh, on the podium or dais with Adam Peters and Josh Harris. It's the news that broke a couple days ago, and they talked about it a little bit today about Cliff Kingsbury. And one of the things when it comes to assistant coaching and head coaching, there's there's no budget. You can spend whatever you want. I mean, technically, your team or your owner can have a budget. But there's no cap. If you want to sign a $50 million coach, if you want to sign a $500,000 coach, you can do whatever you want. And the one thing that has happened in Power Five and definitely the NFL is the amount of money these coordinators make now is outrageous. And we have countless defensive coordinators in the NFL making four and five million dollars, right? You have offensive coordinators now making a lot of money. I think it was. Probably three or four years ago, I had a guy, a high-ranking NFL official who is in charge of money, telling me there wasn't a coordinator offensively or defensively, and that includes offensive coordinators that their head coach is an offensive coordinator. All of them were making over seven figures. I mean, we have countless coaches in Power 5 now making two to two and a half million dollars a year. So being a coordinator, and we'll get into Ben Johnson, is a very lucrative job. But you can also outbid teams when it comes to coaches. So when a guy is a quote-unquote free agent, an offensive or defensive coordinator, like you can make an offer that's better than another offer. Obviously, a guy like Cliff Kingsbury was in high interest around the NFL. The Raiders wanted Cliff Kingsbury. And I haven't seen specific numbers, but it's pretty clear. And this is when you get owners that are willing to cut big checks you can outbid other teams. Cliff Kingsbury was a Raider. It was reported. Schefter was like, he's going to the Raiders. So I remember I said last week, like, nice hire, cool, like smart move. I would much rather have Cliff Kingsbury than Chip Kelly. And then all of a sudden, talks broke down, and he ends up with Washington. Well, let's read between the lines. And in fairness to Mark Davis, he's paying so many people not to work right now. It's like, wait, I'm going to pay Cliff. Washington's willing to pay him $4 million. I'm not doing that. So I, I don't even, I'm, I'm, this is not even talking shit about the Raiders. 
But Washington is like, okay, you really want this guy? Here's what I like about Cliff. If you have success, and we'll get into you know their quarterback situation, who's hiring to be their head coach? Maybe a college team, but you don't have to worry about, and he doesn't want to go to college to be a head coach now. Probably wants to be an NFL head coach again. To me, a lot like Arthur Smith, he's got several years of not going anywhere. Bobby Slowick, another good year, head coach in the NFL. Clint Kubiak, who's going to go to New Orleans. If they win 11 games and Carl looks good, he's going to be an NFL head coach. To me, Kingsbury, I've seen him be a head coach. Didn't really love it. Now, a lot of people that have been around him really support his offensive genius. Uh, I'm more of an old school guy. (laughs) Like a little more physicality in my offense. But I won't dispute the guy knows quarterback, quarterback play, and just offensive ball if you like that style of offense. And Dan Quinn talked about spreading it out. I get it. Wouldn't be my cup of tea. Little old school there. Uh, More into the Bears hire. Shane Waldron, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, Bobby Slowick, LaFleur. I'm into that style of offense. Even Andy Reid, who is a throw-the-ball guy, has a physical element to his game. When I watch Kingsbury, Chip Kelly, not, not my cup of tea. But listen, it's, this is subjective business. But I do like that Washington and their owner was aggressive to get the guy that their head coach wanted and was willing to cut a check that the Raiders clearly were uncomfortable, you know, paying. Now, here's a reality if you're Kingsbury. What is a better job for you to look good? The Raiders that have no quarterback, that have don't have a top five pick, and if they're going to get a guy, they're either going to have to trade a shitload to move up or just hope a guy falls to them, or Washington with a second overall pick. To me, it's Anna who already has wide receivers. Now, the Raiders do have some weapons. They have no quarterback, and there is no route to them landing one where Washington has a direct route, and it's having the second overall pick. Even if Caleb is off limits, which I would imagine Cliff is going to be very interested in Caleb, given that he just worked last year for USC, so he's going to know him very well. But there are a ton of other guys that he's going to have his pick of the litter. Even if if I told you right now Caleb is a 1 million percent lock to go number one overall, the Bears are going to trade fields, take him. Okay, you get a, you get a quarterback class of six, seven guys. You get your pick of the litter of that guy. You, Dan Quinn, Adam Peters working together. I also think when you factor in his offense, there were rumors out there about Adam Peters and Washington Brass already really liking Bo Nix. I think clearly Bo Nix and Jaden Daniels are going to be in play when it comes to Washington. Right? A lot of people think Drake May is the lock number two pick. I wanted to love Drake May until I watched him like for three straight weeks and was like, yeah, good prospect, but not some can't miss all-time awesome draft pick potential. Very talented, physically looks the part, good arm. But you're watching me like wishing for a little more. And one thing with Cliff Kingsbury, it's kind of clear what he likes, right? Patrick Mahomes, a lot of movement. Obviously, Kyler Murray. Well, Bo Nix kind of fits that. And definitely Jaden Daniels fits that as well. So I think those two guys are obviously in play when it comes to Washington. Now, if we look at the Caleb Williams situation, what if the Bears and Ryan Poles really likes one of these other quarterbacks and go, listen, going from pick two to one is not typically worth next year's one, right? It might just, hey, give us your second round pick. Give us the third round pick this year and move up one spot. 
But because of Caleb Williams, if that's who you really want, how about this? You give us your second round pick this year and you give us your first round pick next year. Or else we'll just take him. We are open to business. We are willing to listen. And that's going to happen. One thing that is going to be a theme for the next February, March, April, you know, basically 90 days, give or take, till the NFL draft, is the constant posturing of the Chicago Bears, which is the right move to do. Be open to everything. Even if internally you're dead set on one thing. Open to everything. Now, we will know because if Justin Fields is going to get dealt, it's going to happen in the middle of March when free agency happens. But even when that trade happens, it doesn't mean that you can't still posture of like, yeah, we really like Drake May and Jaden Daniels, and we don't think there's a gap. Or maybe you're not 100% sure, at least telling the league, that Caleb Williams is our top quarterback. So get ready, buckle up, because it's going to be nonstop. And if you're watching, maybe you realize like, yeah, why, you know, throw all that draft capital when we can get a guy that Cliff and Dan Quinn now feels is going to be successful in this offense. So I I think Cliff Kingsbury, and this is what I kept saying about when teams like, who should we draft? What should we do? Until I know your coaching staff, schematically, what you envision your franchise and the idea of your philosophical belief in building a football team, we're just guessing a month ago. Now we start to get some clarity, right? The Atlanta Falcons, Zach Robinson. Mentioned this on the mailbag. They're going to run the McVay-Shanahan offense. They are much more inclined to take someone not named Justin Fields. You know who had the opportunity to draft Justin Fields and thought he was not a good player for the offense? Kyle Shanahan. Now, they ultimately picked the wrong guy as well, but why now would we think now it's an upgrade for Atlanta, right? Justin Fields is way better than anything they have, so out of desperation, I guess if you don't have any other options. But is that a great fit for the offense? Part of this offense, a key with the offense, which a lot of teams are running, accuracy on simple passes. Like part of what makes C.J. Stroud awesome clearly is a great down-the-field thrower. Very accurate. Layup passes, he's hitting like 95%. The problem with the Justin Fields, the Trey Lances, is their inaccuracy on layup passes are a disaster. I can't run that offense if on basic throws, I'm talking wheel routes, quick screens, it's very hit or miss. I got to be basically 100% on that. So that's something to keep in mind as we move forward. One story today that came out that was making the rounds on the interweb was the Ben Johnson situation. Let me say this. There is nothing wrong with loving being a coordinator. I've been saying, I've been pounding this drum forever. Being the number two in some industries probably sucks because it's not that lucrative, right? Being the CFO of a Fortune 500 company doesn't suck. You're making seven figures, right? Being the number two at the local deli is probably not as sweet as running the thing and owning the operation. Being an offensive or defensive coordinator in the NFL, you're talking a two or three year contract guaranteed close to $10 million. It is a very, very lucrative job where you don't bear the responsibility of the majority of things that happen, especially when they go wrong. And you only have to focus on half the team. Ben Johnson's also 37. I was told by a buddy in the league last year, and I saw Schefter and other people talked about it, that last year he was not very comfortable with 
like taking the jump, one-year offensive coordinator, being a head coach. He didn't think he was ready, which I, I don't know about you. I can honestly say multiple times in my career, it's like, I don't know if I'm quite ready. for. I remember when I first got hired by the Eagles, I'm like, this is a lot. But I didn't have a choice. I was just there. But I just had to figure it out on the fly. I didn't know if I was going to make it six months. I, I don't think Howie thought I was going to make it six months. It was intense. You know, 24, 25 years old, I, I felt like I was over my head a little bit. Luckily, I worked around a lot of good people. They're basically all still in the league. And I just kind of figured it out on the fly. But I was the lowest guy on the totem pole. When you get put in some of these positions, it's why a lot of coordinators flame out. It's why a lot of head coaches flame out. They're not ready. So I give you a lot of respect for, hey, I'm not ready. I'm not comfortable. I'm making a ton of money. I'm in a good spot. I'm comfortable with it. No problem with that. I do think, though, there is a way to conduct business. And I would imagine there are a lot of people listening that are parents, right? Especially of young kids. And there are probably a lot of basic life lessons that you want to teach your children from a young age, right? Treat people with respect. Be nice to others. Look people in the eye. Like there are just some basic things that you learn as a young child that you carry with you the rest of your life. My dad used to hammer be early, be early, be early, be on time, be early. It's honestly, it's like a addiction to me, which is not the healthiest thing. Sometimes I get, I'm too early, airports and just different stuff. But there are just things about the way that you conduct yourself that carries over professionally. You don't realize this when you're seven, eight, five, ten, whatever. The rest of your life, the way to treat other people and conduct business, that works. You know, from th- those are lessons that you learn as a young guy. And Ben Johnson, either him or his agent, texted Washington as they were flying to Detroit. Now, granted, they were interviewing Aaron Glenn as well that he was out. It's like, there is a way to conduct business. I have no problem with him telling them after the interview, like, listen, guys, this probably isn't a fit. I think I'm going to stay here. That's his prerogative. This is, this is big boy business. To text them as they're flying out, that's bad business. That's kind of dumb, right? Because the other thing now, the perception of Ben Johnson around the league is, when's this guy going to be ready? Does this guy have the ability to be a head coach. I think it would be, if I was a GM or an owner, next go around, are you comfortable with this? We've seen some weird shit happen. I'll give you an example. With Josh McDaniels. At the time when he backed out of the Colts, I was like, that's fucking insane. The press conference was the next day. They'd already hired coaches. Eberflus was already there. They, They were ready for him to be the job. And he got cold feet, whatever. Robert Kraft talks him out. And as time went on, you're like, listen, it wasn't the right fit. He got cold feet. The quarterback situation was up in the air. Not that crazy, even if he didn't handle it well. And then it turns out when the Raiders situation, a year and a half after he got ran out of town, you're like, that was probably a pretty big red flag. Sometimes, you know, what's the, what's the adage that kind of goes around when someone tells you who they are to listen? It happens a lot with draft prospects. Like, this guy's been in a lot of trouble. And it's like, we can fix him. And then you get him and he stays in trouble. Now, if, if you only went by that, you would never draft anyone with red flags. And a lot of guys with red flags turn their life around. Honey Badger was kicked off the team in college. He's been the team captain for three different teams he's been on. Honestly, it might be four now. The Cardinals, uh, the Texans, the Chiefs, and now the Saints. Right? So 
you never know with men, right? We can mature. It's like different human being. But with Ben Johnson now, we've had two straight years of just being a little weird. There is no disputing. He's an elite offensive coordinator. Elite. Been watching football for 30 plus years. Watching his offense these last couple of years has been a joy to watch. Watching that game plan against the 49ers, that fucking guy came in ready to go to the Super Bowl. But being a head coach is about more than being a coordinator. And clearly there are some reservations deep down. Like there were no reservations with Mike Tomlin showed up to Pittsburgh in his mid-30s to get the head coaching job. Kyle Shanahan, when he got the 49ers job, had been a coordinator for eight years. He was 37 years old. Sean McVay showed up at 31 years old wanting to run the organization. There is this internal confidence, cockiness, bravado, whatever, that some dudes have since they were in their teens. Ben Johnson might lack that. I'd be lying if, you know, I'm Mr. Not Insecure. We all can have insecurities. When you're the boss, though, those have to have some limitations, you know, in terms of creeping into your mind. And this would be something, if I was a GM or I was an owner, I would be very nervous when it came to doing business with Ben Johnson moving forward. Another story today. I want to read you a quote from Diana Russini on a podcast she does for The Athletic when asked about Mike Vrabel. Quote, I don't think there was a fit for him. I don't think he sat in front of any owner who thought that his style was going to work for what they were looking for. I had a GM at the Senior Bowl who mentioned to me that Vrabel's physical build, that he's a very large human being, that he can be very intimidating to people in an organization that are going to be part of these decisions. And that is a factor. Essentially saying that Mike Vrabel, being a big former player, and let's face it, a badass, is intimidating to owners and GMs. When I first got into radio, I was around the Harbaugh 49ers. And Trent Baalke is not like a small guy, but compared to Jim Harbaugh, looked like a JV human. And Jim Harbaugh is an intimidating guy. Dan Campbell walks in the room. He's going to more than likely, unless some NBA players are in there, Trent Williams is going to be the biggest guy in the room when it comes to executives and other coaches. If you are intimidated by a guy's physical build in the sport of football, you're going to have problems. The reason football and the military get compared so often, obviously in military, it's life or death, right? Not not everyone comes home. Listen, I I grew up around it. My dad's brother never made it home from Vietnam. I saw the impact that can have on a family. It's, It's not good. It sucks. Wouldn't wish it upon anybody. But there is a hierarchy, right? And there is someone at the top of that hierarchy, a lot like a home, right? If you have a couple kids, the mom and dad are in charge. The children are not. In a football building, this is not the NBA. The players are not in charge. The assistant coaches are not in charge. The general manager does not run the team. The head coach, is at the top of the food chain. It's why the Cowboys have some issues. Mike McCarthy's resume is not bad. Won a Super Bowl, wins a lot. 
everyone in that building, player or assistant coach, knows that Jerry Jones is the boss. He's in charge. We all know it. Where if you look around the league like Andy Reid, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, Sean Payton, Belichick forever, all, all the organizations that have had a ton of success or coaches that have had a ton of success, Pete Carroll for a long time, they're in charge. They're the boss. When they say something, that John Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh, Mike Tomlin, if they want to draw a, draw a line in the sand, they get to. If you're intimidated by Mike Vrabel's size, I, I can't take you seriously. I mean, this is the most violent game we have. Not hockey. Uh, not a big hockey guy. Obviously, a lot of respect. Those guys, tough as shit. Play literally on ice. You know what I mean. It's a violent sport where intimidation, leadership, all that stuff isn't part of the deal. It's essential. You can't function without it. Now, listen, I understand if I'm an owner and I'm paying you, you know, especially a guy like Vrabel is going to cost $13, $14, 15000000 million. Can you be nice? Like one of the knocks was a little Belichickian. He wouldn't listen to anybody. Like that, that's an interpersonal dynamic. And then there's the, he's too intimidating. It's like, well, does the guy know what he's doing? So what that he's got the biggest swing and you know what when he walks in the door? And he knows that if a fight broke out, he could beat up everybody. Dan Campbell knows that. Now, one thing Dan clearly has that I would say Mike is going to have to work on from a perception standpoint, feels pretty easy to work with Dan Campbell. Like, pretty good teammate. Now, here's where I would defend Vrabel. And listen, I... I don't know all the dynamics of the John Robinson firing, uh, the Rand Carthen. It feels like that was a lot of owner-driven. Well, if you hire a general manager that I don't know, and we don't have any commonality in terms of never work together, maybe philosophically we don't view football the same from every angle, it might not work. I've said this before, and I will say this till the day I die. If you don't respect the guy you work with, even if you think individually he's okay at his job, but I just don't respect like you're in that position telling me what to do, you have no chance. You can't function. So, like I said, I get an owner being uncomfortable with Vrabel, his unwillingness to take ideas and just acknowledge, like, yeah, like I I should, I'll listen to you on this one, which is something he's going to have to work on. But from a size standpoint, that he scares you when he walks in and sits at the table when you guys are talking about free agency or a game plan, that's a pretty big red flag in your organization. It it, it really is. (laughs) Like, I I want my coach to fucking be nuts. And I got news for you. They all are. Some of them smile more, Andy, Pete. Some of them are more negative on a daily basis. Belichick, Kyle. Coaches are crazy. They come in all shapes and sizes. But there is a small percentage of any of them when it comes to head coaches that know what they're doing and that you have a chance to win with. The overwhelming majority of coaches we've seen over the last 30 years in the NFL are going to get run out of town very, very quickly. They, they have at most three or four years. I watched Dan Quinn. One thing clearly Dan Quinn has going for him, and I, he's clearly got the crazy bug. Like You can't be a good NFL coach. You can't be a good football coach in general, high school, college, pros, without being nuts. Something deep down that makes you just kind of crazy. Y- you need it. It's essential. I've seen it firsthand. 
If you do not have it, you have no shot. But the 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 push to have like this kumbaya moment seems a little crazy. This is not a kumbaya sport. The moment you start winning, everyone's happy. Even Wink Martindale said last year, we didn't like each other. I, I couldn't stand working here. But we were the sixth seed, competing. You win, everyone will figure out a way to move forward. And uh, that's the whole point when you hire a coach. You're hiring the guy to help your franchise win. So the, the intimidation factor to me, I, I would never want that to get out if I was an owner or a GM that I personally was insecure being around a coach who was big. Some of these guys used to play in the NFL. Doug Peterson, big guy. Frank Reich, big guy. Mike Vrabel, big guy. Dan Campbell, big guy. The NFL ain't full of tiny people. <laughs> I don't know if you ever get the chance you know, to get to an NFL practice or somehow get a sideline pass to get pregame in the NFL, even in college. It's full of massive human beings. So I would keep that very close to the vest if I was one of those people leaking to Diana Rossini that, yeah, we were just a little intimidated by Vrabel's size. He is big. Had cocktails years ago. I wouldn't say with him, but I was with Deuce Staley and Vrabel was having a cocktail at the bar in Indy. It's like, God damn, this fucking guy's huge. But Doug Peterson was standing right next to him too. They were the same size. Uh, some other coaching nuggets from around the league. Jay Harbaugh, Jim's son, looks like he's going to Seattle with Mike McDonald. I, I love the Harbaugh family. Is just the connection that family has over football and how they share people is truly pretty special. Greg Roman, who worked for Jim, then he worked for John. Now he's back working for Jim again. You go on social media. Everyone thinks Greg Roman is the worst coach in the history of the league. Last I checked, he's been the offensive coordinator for a lot of teams that are pretty good. It's like, well, his passing game. You see, you know, Lamar's dramatically better as a passer now than he was a couple years ago. But like, let's not act like he was coaching John Elway and Mahomes and Josh Allen in their primes, especially in San Francisco. So this notion that Greg Roman is the village idiot, like, give me a break. Now, is he Bill Walsh or Andy Reid? No one's saying that. But if you go on social media, you would think Jim Harbaugh just hired the worst coach available. And uh, Jay Harbaugh, who, you know, going Mike McDonald, who's a John Harbaugh guy, the Chargers getting the general manager from the Ravens. They just share coaches. They share GMs. I, I love it. This is my favorite story, I think, from the last couple of days. Jed Fish, who's now the head coach of the University of Washington, is hiring Steve Belichick to be his defensive coordinator. His offensive coordinator, his name is Brennan Carroll, who is Pete Carroll's son. So he has a Belichick as his defensive coordinator, a Carroll as his offensive coordinator. If you don't think that during practice this fall, there are go spring practice, we're going to get some viral clips of Belichick and Pete Carroll in UW gear at practice addressing the team. Get ready, because uh, that's pretty cool. You know, it, it really is. And as someone who didn't do what their parents did, I do think it's cool when the family business, the family member has the same passion for what their dad did. Now, in coaching, we're seeing that all over the league now. 
Kubiak, Shanahan, Belichick. And I think Steve Belichick, this is a classic media. They just thought he was sucked. Yet Gerard Mayo, who was just hired, like went to the mat, said Steve is not only a good coach, considers only his best friend. Now, I don't know much about his coaching, but everyone you know publicly talks about Steve like he's pretty good. I'm fascinated to watch this one. Big 10, Steve Belichick, sign me up. Another defensive move that looks like it's likely to happen. Now, they're interviewing other guys. Ron Rivera, I think, interviewed today with the Cowboys. Mike Zimmer. I never understood this with, obviously, Mike's older and he's kind of a curmudgeon, but Spielman, the GM, Rick, who helped uh, the Washington Commanders with their search. Like, I watched those Washington teams with Zimmer and Spielman, and my takeaway was always like, they're pretty good. Like, this is a pretty high-level operation. I do think it's kind of crazy that no one hired Rick Spielman to be the GM again. I know it didn't end great, but when I watched that operation for a long time, like, he was drafting a ton of good players at every position, and their team was good. You can't get another GM job? Does he have, like, a record or something we don't know about? Like, what, what is going on? I get it a little bit with Zimmer, old, edgy guy, kind of hates quarterbacks. I don't understand it with Rick Spielman. All these GM, like, to me, he should be a general manager in the NFL. But Mike Zimmer with Mike McCarthy, the Cowboys, I hope that happens because that would be fun. Mike Zimmer's a good defensive coach. I mean, he kind of knows what he's doing. If, if you had told me, would you rather have Ron Rivera or Mike Zimmer as your defensive coordinator? Are, are we even having this conversation? Is, is this, what a waste of breath. Mike Zimmer. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about an American-made success story in Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. Black Buffalo's nicotine pouches are not owned by Big Tobacco. They're an independent company proudly built right here in the USA for 21 and over adult consumers. Black Buffalo was built by dippers with decades of smokeless tobacco use. They believed the market wanted tobacco alternative nicotine products that offered the best of both worlds. Bold flavor, full pouches. What are they made of? It's pretty simple. Cured edible green leaves, food-grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical-grade nicotine. Most importantly, there's no tobacco leaf or stem. All proudly made right here in the USA. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco, and want to join the Black Buffalo Herd, 
Head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online, and they ship directly to most states. Or check out the store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. Okay, here's the drill. Middlecoff mailbag time. Very, very easy to get involved. Here's what you do. At John Middlecoff. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. DMs wide open. Fire on it. And get your question answered on the show. We have a ton. So I'm, if I miss you, I, I don't mean to. I'm not avoiding anybody. It's just difficult. Longtime listener from Canada. Absolutely love your insight. God, we've gotten a lot of nice people in these DMs. My question is, do you think that Canada will ever get an NFL team? It seems like the other major sports have a Canadian team. The NBA, the NHL, Major League Baseball. Also, any tips to growing as a sports content creator? I remember, was it several years ago when the Bills, maybe it was before they were sold, the Poligulas, the talk about you know going to Canada, it doesn't feel like it's going to happen. So as of right now, I would say no. But I, I, I'd be, I'm not high on the list of people that feel super dialed in when it comes to playing in Canada, a team expansion in Canada, I would say no. So I don't know what else to say beside it doesn't feel likely. Feels like, uh, you know, England, the kind of that region, if they were to expand. But I, I don't know if expansion's really on the horizon. Again, I, I might be the wrong person to ask on this. I, I don't know. I, that's, that, that feels part of the, and I love the business of the NFL. It doesn't feel like expansion talks rocking and rolling. Now, I'm recording this before old Raj talks, so who knows? Maybe I'm out of the loop. Maybe I'm naive. Maybe I'm ignorant. But uh, when it comes to content creation, I think the best thing you can do early is just be relentless. Every day, do stuff. And obviously, if you work you know, a normal person job, do it in the morning, do it at night. Uh, but, but I would be consistently peppering things out there. Put it on YouTube, put it on your podcast feed, put it on your Instagram. You just got to just keep throwing. You just got to keep throwing. Hey, John, what's up? Fan of the pod. Was wondering if you have any Hebrew in your ethnic background. Looks like you may be German instead, though. Yeah, I think I'm uh, no Hebrew. I, I, we always thought German, Swiss. My mom and brother are more dialed in on that than me. I used to always tell people I was Italian. I actually lied to my girlfriend like a couple years ago because I always kind of wanted to be Italian. Uh, maybe I've just always been a sucker for the mob movies. But yeah, I think it's, I think it's majority German. To go to a bat mitzvah one time. Bar mitzvah, actually, not bat mitzvah. And it was hard. I mean, I had a lot of respect. It was like, he, I remember him training. My buddy of mine growing up, going to that class to learn how to read uh, for the ceremony in Hebrew. It was impressive. Been listening for about eight months and love the pot. I'm a Saints fan and wanted to ask what you would do if you were in charge of the operation. I hated the car trade. It wasn't a trade, but it was a free agent acquisition, but I hear you. And would have blown it up after Peyton left. I wanted to like Dennis Allen, especially knowing success is not always instantaneous in the NFL. But his postgame comments against the Falcons really rubbed me wrong especially since they're our rivals. Wanted to gauge your thoughts. 
I think the moment they signed Derek to a relatively, uh, I would say, lucrative deal, not crazy money, but not one of those like, oh, just one year, $12 million. <laughs> he, Derek's made a lot of money in his career, is that you were kind of just, you, you hopped in the boat with Dennis Allen and Derek Carr, and they were getting two years if it didn't completely implode, which it didn't last year. Now they're hiring, it looks like, Kubiak, Clint Kubiak, who is Gary Kubiak's son, who's a Shanahan guy. Obviously, the Kubiaks of Shanahan's are all Mike Shanahan guys because Kubiak played for Mike way back in the day and then worked for him, and they all run the same thing. So maybe Derek, and I always thought he would flourish in the uh, Shanahan offense. It's much more quarterback-friendly than to ask Derek to kind of carry your team, which he has tried to do at times with the Raiders and this year and had not much success. Definitely played better toward the end of the season, but I I, I just, I don't know. I'm not going to pick you guys to make the playoffs next year. Hard for me to have faith in in your operation. Um, I I think Dennis's comments at the end, I'm with you. Even if you were mad at Jameis, like you told Jameis, to victory formation, kneel it, and he overrode you and got the touchdown. I don't think it's something you kiss the ass of a guy who's about to get fired. A guy who's not going to make it. The guy didn't make it till midnight. Think about that. He didn't make it till midnight. And you're like, oh, I'm so sorry. This is, this is professional football. It's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Jameis shouldn't have done that, even if you're mad at him. Because I understand being mad at him behind closed doors. It's like, fuck you, Arthur Smith. Shut up! Pack up your stuff and go to Pittsburgh, buddy. I'm with you. That was one of the most embarrassing moments of the NFL. It really was. The Saints were like, "We didn't mean to do that. We told Jameis." Like, shut. This is what are we talking about? This isn't high school football. And I've gotten people like, "Well, they were in victory formation. It's unfair. Give me a break." Everyone's cashing big ass checks. When there's time left on the clock, I don't care what the score is, you better have your chin strap buckled. This is, there are no life lessons being taught. This is a big money, billion dollar business where you either win or you lose. And I I have zero, and I mean zero, empathy, sympathy for any of the Falcons like bitching and moaning. I also thought that Dennis Allen did not need to say a peep publicly. Handle that with Jameis. Do not tell the other team you apologize. There's no such thing as running up the score in professional sports. It does not exist. This is entertainment. <laughs> this, this ain't, we go to peewee football, uh, JV football, and high school football for life lessons. Power five now ain't about life lessons as much anymore. Transactional business, I pay you, you play well, or I cut you or you transfer. Yeah, I'm, I, I, I can't ever look at Dennis Allen the same. Now, I wasn't a big believer before. Somehow, I convinced myself that they were going to win the division. I, I picked them and then regretted that pretty early in the season. Really enjoy the listen. If Brock Purdy and the 49ers lose this Super Bowl, is there any way Purdy will ever overcome the last pick in the draft? This guy only wins because of the talent around him narrative. I don't think it matters what happens. I think Purdy could have an incredible game, throw four or five touchdowns, win the Super Bowl MVP, and the Niners win the first Super Bowl in 25 years. I think they could win and he play shitty. I think they could lose and he play well, or they could lose and he play shitty. And the, and the conversation, he is going to be one of the most polarizing quarterbacks 
next year, no matter what. It will not slow down. It will accelerate if he plays bad and they lose. I think it will not accelerate as fast, but still be a major conversation if he plays not well or average and they win. I even think if he plays well and they win and he wins a Super Bowl MVP, people will not wrap their arms around him and embrace him. I also think we have to put it in context. Like, would anyone in the NFL take Brock Purdy over, like, the elite guys? No. So what are we arguing? I, I think we've lost touch with the argument here. He was, the, he was the last pick in the draft who just threw 30-plus touchdowns and has been a starter now for a year and a half on one of the best teams in football. It's an incredible story. It's like, well, Patrick, he's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not Josh Allen. He is not Lamar Jackson. He doesn't have those guys' physical talents. He is not as physically gifted. Just like this. Now, I'm not comparing him to Drew Brees. He's got a long way to maintain that. Drew Brees was never Aaron Rodgers or Peyton Manning. That was not the case. He was a short pocket quarterback who, you know, was incredibly accurate. Average athlete as the years went on. Better athlete when he was younger. But like anyone, and I've gotten arguments with people like, comparing him to Aaron Rodgers. Like, no, he's not. He couldn't hold Aaron Rodgers' jock. <laughs> There's not one general manager in the NFL when they were both 28 years old that would have taken Drew Brees, and that includes Sean Payton over Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady in a different universe. So it's like, what are we comparing? Doesn't mean Drew Brees like top 20 quarterback maybe of all time. So I, I just think sometimes we argue to argue. Like, Brock Purdy's the last pick in the draft, and he fucking lapped every quarterback in that draft. Now, Trevor, he was better than Trevor Lawrence this year, but, like, that's the only quarterback. Like, that was the year before, all those guys that went in the top 15. Mac Jones, who Kyle Shanahan loved, couldn't dream of being as good as Brock Purdy. Trey Lance, he couldn't beat him out in practice. Fields, can't throw from the pocket. Zach Wilson, I mean, his name is Zach Wilson. I mean, look at all these quarterbacks. It's, it's crazy that this guy, um, if Trey Lance or Zach Wilson was doing what Brock Purdy was doing, and this is just shows you the power of a draft pick, you'd be like, holy shit. They found, what a pick. They nailed it. But it's like, no, this guy can't be this good. <laughs> little Brock Purdy with that little pea shooter arm. Oh, fake. No chance. Like I told Colin. I would have had, I knew right away, and I was going to these practices a lot, when it was clear, I don't know, they, they liked the guy, they love telling you, great guy, yeah, we get it, this is not good guy, bad guy, can you play or not, that's, that's all we're talking, this is professional football, not professional, be a good guy, you, right, and I, I just remember, like, I don't know if I, I don't think these star players in the Niners are vibing with the old Trey Lance, I don't think they think he's any good. I don't think they think he's any good. And then he shattered his leg against the Seattle Seahawks. Jimmy Garoppolo came in, and they basically carried off the, off the field. I knew right away. I'm like, yeah, they think he fucking stinks. Now, I don't think even they knew that Brock Purdy was that good, but I remember then Brock started really running the scout team. And Fred Warner was like, this guy was making plays against us. And Fred really bought in. And then he began starting, and you never know until a guy plays. And it was clear right away that the little guy could play. Now, is he going to go, 
you know, what, when I'm comparing Drew Brees to Aaron Rodgers, I mean, we're talking about Hall of Famers. Like, is Brock Purdy going to have a 10-year career of playing at a high level? I wouldn't bet my uh, 401k on it. I, I wouldn't bet $50,000 on it. But is it possible 100%? Right? Is, is he had one of the craziest, most incredible starts to a career for a late-round pick we've ever seen? Yes. Not debatable. Now, he doesn't have the physical attributes. Like, Russell was a better athlete, and he had a stronger arm. But people forget, after year two, I think Russell won the Super Bowl in his second year. Like, Russell was not viewed as some top 10 quarterback. You talk about game manager, it just comes with the territory. We're going to call you a game manager when you get drafted in the mid to late rounds on a good team. Because, like, we just judge all these guys that get drafted high. It's way harder for them, I guess. I don't know. Situations matter. Question for the mailbag. Love the pod. Take the 18 Alabama championship team loaded with offense. Tua, Josh Jacobs, Judy, Waddle, Devontae. Defensive players such as Quinnen Williams, Rashawn Evans, McKinney, Sertain, uh, Trayvon Diggs. People tend to act like players enter a Captain American upgrade machine once they enter the league, but there's a reason rookies are drafted to replace pros. What do you think of the matchup between a historically good college team like 18 Alabama versus 19 LSU and the Panthers would look like? <laughs> this, I've always, you know, the media hates this. They're like, how could you ever? This is pros versus fucking amateurs. It's like, yeah, I've been watching the pro game long enough. Like, if you're just a bad pro team, like who's, like, Washington this year. Like, the Washington football team, commanders, Redskins, whatever the hell they're going to be called. They're beating every college team. Like, especially before they trade Chase Young, Sweat. Like, they would, they would shove you around. And then there are times when you're, like, watching the Sam Hinkie Sixers. Or you're watching... You know, Carolina's got some high-end talent, but there have been some hideous NFL teams. And you're like, yeah, they're starting a lot of practice squad guys. So when you look at the LSU or 19 team, you know, Bama team, when you could combine them, you're like, they have, let's just say, let's just pick a number, 16 of their 22 starters aren't just like in the pros, like legit starting impact players. And all those guys, would start for the Panthers. And I'm just using them as an example. So I I think we could find times in history to make the argument that, like, I don't know, man. Like, last year, the Bears, for example. Like, that Bears team is better. Like, they're going to beat some teams. But I I think, I I hear you. I think we just, it's an argument that people are like, no chance. It's like, well, you know, in, in basketball, for example. Well, Sam Hinkie was rolling out guys that wouldn't make the team for half the people in the NBA. And then you're like, Kentucky has five guys that are going to get drafted in the top 30, and two of them are all-stars, or Duke, or whatever. I, I always hate that argument that like, yeah, we can entertain it. Who, who would you take also? Like, Saban and company against those village idiots at coaches? Problem is, you'll never see it, but I, I liked it. Uh... I like where you ended up going with that question. Big fan. The pr- with the prospect of getting Caleb Williams, could we see Bill to the Bears or even Mike Vrabel to the Bears after the draft? 
No, I I think the moment I I think you're just seeing this coach, at least coach till midseason, depending if it you know falls off the rails, which I keep getting back to seems crazy. It, it really does. You had the opportunity to reset your franchise. Even if you, I, I, I understand not wanting Belichick. He's 72, costs $20 million a year. He's, you know, he can be kind of edgy, <laughs> not big on listening to people. But like getting Mike Vrabel, who I'm pretty sure Mike Vrabel is like under 50, who could have been packaged, who was available at the time with Arthur Smith. You don't have to worry about Arthur Smith, you know, if he makes your quarterback a star getting hired in the next couple of years. It was so ugly in Atlanta. How would you not want to do that? And I'll tell you how they don't want to do that. Their organization is cheap. They have a mom and pop shop. I've known coaches. I've known scouts that work there. It's a mom and pop operation. Any organization worth their salt would have at minimum fired the coach. Now, I understand you got Kevin Warren, who's got the classic, like, I want to do the stadium, but I also want credit for football. You got Ryan Poles, who might be good, you know, kind of in no man's land. I know he he tries to be buddies with Eberflus. As a general manager, you're only as good as your head coach. Like, Brett Veach, John Lynch, Les Snead, John Schneider for years, they'd be the first to tell you, like, ha- having a high-end head coach makes you look a lot better. I don't care how good you are as a personnel guy. If your coach sucks, you're going to suck. So, Ryan Poles, you might be the next Bill Polian. I, I, I think that you are so limited with that guy as your head coach. I click on your videos every morning on my drive to work. Which AFC young quarterback do you see breaking through and getting a ring first and really start rivaling the Chiefs like Peyton did uh, and Big Ben Steelers did? Seems like all these great young AFC quarterbacks will get a shot at the Chiefs. We've, I mean, we've seen them all. We've seen Josh Allen lose every big game. We've seen Lamar just got punked. So I would choose Josh Allen because we've seen him. We saw Lamar. I mean, he was overwhelmed. Like that, that, was, that was an embarrassing moment for the franchise. Like that, that's one where you don't, I don't look at the Ravens quite the same. I, I, I'm sorry. Like I'm betting against you in the big game next time. That's just. And I and I kicking myself. My mother called me unloyal to Andy for betting against them. It was it's not even I'm this huge Lamar believer, but it's like God, their team so stacked. The Chiefs on the road, like this that Bills team was so decimated. I just thought the Ravens would win like twenty four to seventeen or something. It's like no, they got fucking worked. So I, I'm not picking them. They just lost their star defensive coordinator. I'm gonna stick with the Bills. But they got a lot of question marks. I mean, they got cap issues. They got older players. You know, Trey Diggs, who, listen, we can nitpick him all you want. He's by far their best receiver. So, Josh Allen, to me, I don't even think it's arguable, is the second best quarterback in the league. And I, I think there's a gap. And I, Lamar's got a second MVP. If I had to beat Patrick Mahomes and my teams were all the same, I am taking Josh Allen seven days a week and 15 times on Sunday over every quarterback in the NFL, not named Patrick Mahomes. And if I if I have to play against Patrick Mahomes, how can we even argue it at this point? Like, whenever I see the, after the Bills lost, and I saw everyone shitting on Josh Allen, it's like, are, are we watching the same fucking sport? What, what are we talking about? Did you guys not just watch him go toe-to-toe? Well, he missed a pass in the second half. Like, yeah, he, he may, he's not a perfect player. 
He's not, I don't know, Patrick Mahomes. But he's better than every other guy who's making $250 million. Who who would you want right now? Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen. Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. Josh Allen, Justin Herbert. What are we even talking about? He's been the only guy, really, beside Brady, that you look and got. He's going toe-to-toe with Patrick. All these other guys wilt, look like shit. So I, I, to me, it's got to be the Bills because they got the they got the one player who is physically better than Patrick. Now Patrick's a better player, but like unfazed by the cold, unfazed by the moment, has played well in Arrowhead. Now I, Burrow beat him too. He's people Cincinnati fans like, what about Joe Burrow? It's like, well, stop missing the season. I won't forget about you. You're like out of sight, out of mind. But Joe Burrow's a guy I forgot about. I, I would throw he, he, him, and I would understand. People are pissed off right now if they're a Bengal fan because I say that I, I forget about him. But it's like he he just gets injured. So my fault. I, I apologize. Burrow's big time player beat Mahomes, but you got to be healthy, right? I, I watched him eviscerate the 49ers, then he gets hurt the next week. I'm a Falcons fan, and I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are regarding the NFL draft. Should the Falcons trade up and draft Caleb Williams? Trade for Fields? I'm not a big trade for Fields guy. Like, I'm going to trade for Justin Fields and give you, let's say, a third-round pick and get a guy on the fourth year of his contract. Do I have to pick up his fifth-year option? And get a guy that I don't know can function from within the pocket? Incredible athlete. Can make some awesome highlight plays. Can I win football games with this guy as my starting quarterback? At a high level. Now, relative to your situation, he's better than any quarterback you have. So it's an upgrade. But like, what am I doing when I trade an asset for him? I'm making him my quarterback for a year and then probably looking to upgrade again? Because you're not going to give this guy a $100 million contract. And who knows? Maybe he shocks everybody and he starts dealing from within the pocket. But contracts factor in, man. They really do. So I think, uh, who's your coach, Raheem Morris? He just brought uh, Zach Robinson, who's a McVay guy. I think that, you know, Shanahan was not a big fan of Justin Fields. I I don't really know if he's a fit in the offense. Long-time listener. I know you said you don't watch the NBA. Few people do anymore. But I think the quality of the product is really good. Every team seems to have a superstar player. Parity has arguably never been better. What does the NBA need to do to gain the audience it had with Michael Jordan? I couldn't disagree more. I think there've never been more physically gifted guys, like just the pure talent of the athletes, of their skill level. But I think the league has never been worse. When I was a kid, teams were good. This is not this is not tennis or golf. This is a team sport. How many teams in the NBA are good? Celtics and the Nuggets. It's it's become a mercenary league. So having all these guys jump all over the nonstop like is great, I guess, for Woj's Twitter account. But for the consumer, like there's no cohesion with any teams. There's no like when I was a kid, like Gary Payton, Sean Kemp, Patrick Ewing, uh, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen. Right, you just go around the league. Reggie Miller with the Indiana Pacers. Every team had a guy that you knew was going to be there for a long period of time. That does not exist anymore. Steph Curry, Draymond, and Clay are complete outliers. You know, this league is full of Kevin Durant's, 
and Chris Pauls and Russell, the guys just bouncing everywhere, which again, they're prerogative to do, but the business is broken. And the teams as a whole have never been worse. It is awful basketball. Now, when you get like Curry and LeBron going at it on a Saturday night, that's entertaining. But the constant, you look up and guys are scoring 50 to 70 points, that's an indictment how shitty the teams are. So whenever I hear the pom-pom waving, and listen, you're not a, I'm not blaming you, of the uh, media that covers the NBA, the league has never been better. Bullshit. <laughs> like, th- these teams, this is a team sport. This is not an individual sport. You, to, to have two or three teams, max, that can win the NBA championship because they're the only teams that have been playing together for a while and all these other teams are just kind of a mishmash, you, you can't get good at a team sport if you don't play with each other for a long period of time. And I think that's a huge problem for the NBA, which is not going to get fixed anytime soon because these guys are going to keep moving. And uh, yeah, I don't really know what else to say, which I can't disagree anymore with people that say the league has never been better and it's really entertaining. I Listen, I, I like... I don't need 75 to 78 scoring games. But when I see constantly guys scoring 60 to 70 points, that's an indictment on the NBA. An indictment on, on the teams that are awful. And I, I think the teams, honestly, have just... Taught, the depth of average teams has, has never been as, as long right now. How would you rate the following scenarios for the Super Bowl in terms of likelihood? Chiefs win in a low-scoring game. Chiefs blowout. 49ers win in a shootout. Thanks. It's a good question. Let's start with A. Chiefs win in a low-scoring game. It's kind of what they've done all season long. One games, 19-13, to 23-17. to 17. They're very, very comfortable winning that way. When you look at the 49ers, uh, game log, they blew a lot of people out. They are most comfortable having success winning like 40 to 17, 40 to 20, 40 to, you know, 38 to 17, 38 to 15. They won a lot of games. They destroyed people. And in the middle of the season, when they got into tight games, they didn't know how to win them. Now, these two playoff games, they were behind, and they usually lose those games, and they found a way to win. So it's... Is this the new version of this, this comeback kid 49ers? Or are they going to put them in a dome, controlled environment, and look a lot better? Now, the Chiefs' defense is one of the better ones in the NFL. I think if the Niners win, they're winning by 10-plus. And if the Chiefs win, it's just one of their classic ugly games, and Purdy's just off. I think if the Niners win, they win pretty comfortably. Because that's how they've mainly won all season long. I think if the Chiefs win, they've won like they've won a lot of games. It'll look like the Bills game. It'll even look like the Ravens game. Like they, I'm just acting like they killed the Ravens. I mean, the Ravens only scored 10 points, but it was 17 to 10. <laughs> that was the final score. And a lot of times when you watch this game, you're like, ah, oh, the Chiefs worked them. Well, you can be getting worked. There's a big difference between getting worked and down three scores, like the 49ers were in the second half. You're like, God, you start doing the math and getting worked, and it's like, it's only 17-7, to 7 and we got the ball. So the, the Chiefs, 
if their offense is not scoring a lot of points, which they haven't really all season, you're kind of still in the game. Now, defense is good. Spagnola against Kyle. I mean, that's a pretty incredible matchup. One of the best defensive coordinators, one of the more aggressive defensive coordinators. Second-year quarterback who Spags was talking up. Spags, like, stuck up for Purdy. Now, it's a hard balance. Like, are they doing it because that's just what you do as a football coach? You kind of, you know, put the guy on a pedestal? Or they legitimately think he's a stud? I haven't really asked. I bet they think he's pretty good. I mean, how could you not? Would love to hear your answer on the pod. Would it make sense for San Francisco to package their first-round pick with Jennings to Carolina for Brian Burns? Is that too much to give up, or does that make sense for both teams? Carolina gets a first-round pick and a wide receiver for Bryce Young, and San Francisco gets the player to pair opposite with Bosa. Well, I like Jawan Jennings a lot, but he's a role player. So if you're in Carolina's seat, you're not trading me a number one or number two receiver. Like, Jawan Jennings, solid guy, but he's a number three wide receiver. So it's really, like, I can sign number three wide receivers. Like, I don't need to make a trade. I think you look at the number one pick, the 49ers have some needs. And they have an expensive team. So if I'm the 49ers, I try to draft either a corner, a pass rusher, or an offensive lineman. I would bet a lot of money that they take an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman with that first-round pick. The other thing, the 49ers haven't had first-round picks for a couple years because of Trey Lance. So they're spending a lot of money on Bosa. they got to eventually find a replacement for Trent. Uh, They're going to pay Brandon Ayuk. I I just think the 49ers need that first-round pick. Like in Madden, that move makes a lot of sense. But I don't think, I never understood why Carolina didn't keep DJ Moore and trade Brian Burns. I think they probably regret that one. How about them Chiefs? Two things real quick. I live in Gilbert, and when the Suns added that Kings game after the in-season tourney, I used your code on game time and got lower level tickets for 60 bucks. Congrats. So thank you. I'm an Arizona native and diehard Chiefs fan since 93 because of Joe. That'd be Montana. And this run is absolutely incredible. I don't know how you could ever bet against 15. And I truly think Andy Reid is the greatest coach of all time. Again, love the content. This is a comment. Isn't it crazy that you get and run out of town strong? Like, it had just run its course. But the two best coaches of the last 25 years were both fired by other organizations. Belichick was fired by the Cleveland Browns. The Eagles fired Andy Reid for Chip Kelly, which understandable at the time, but let's face it, like say that out loud in 2024, Chip Kelly was just begging for an NFL offensive coordinator job, begging. No one would hire him. Andy Reid is easily, I mean, based on resume, the second best coach of his generation and has a chance if he wins this, like, well, could he have a five-year run to, I don't want to say catch Bill because Bill's got six, but. He'd already be halfway there if he wins on Sunday. So it's an incredible time. There's nothing better than being a fan of a team and knowing, like, it doesn't get any better in this. It doesn't happen very often. And then when, it, when it's over, 
you just wish it would come back. I'm a Charger fan, so I'm very excited about this Harbaugh Chargers history. However, given the Chargers history, I am worried this could be an Urban Meyer situation where a high-profile college coach goes to the NFL with big expectations and fails miserably. Do you see any similarities in the situation? Is it completely different? I think it's completely different. When Urban Meyer was hired in Jacksonville, he had never spent one day in the National Football League as a player or as a coach. He had only coached in college football. Jim Harbaugh played 15 years as a player, coached four as a coach with a lot of success, and whose brother, which I would say is pretty clear, John and Jack Harbaugh, his father, are like his best friends in life. People he relies on most personally and professionally. It's weird because their family is all, their family business, it's all intertwined. Jim Harbaugh knows the NFL very well. He's basically been running an NFL program since leaving the 49ers. And then he brings over a general manager who he knows through his brother. Urban Meyer and Trent Baalke, like, give me a break. That was never going to work. But Urban, like, did not know the pros. Never coached. Had never had a team. Now, he, I'm sure, cheated his ass off at Florida and Ohio State. But back then, you're talking brown bags of hundreds of thousands of dollars. You get to the pros, even if you have a bad team like Jacksonville, you still got guys making five to fifteen million dollars. So you start screaming at a guy making twelve million dollars when I don't think you know what you're doing, and especially if you've like signed me in free agency from the Steelers or the Rams or like I've been around a good coach, I can't take you seriously. Jim Harbaugh has immediate NFL credibility. He's been to a Super Bowl as a head coach. He's also like the Vrabel element of like, I've played in the NFL. I've been hurt. I, I've been cut. Like, I, I can relate to guys on the team. And then my brothers, like, I, I don't think there's any similarities beside they both have a whistle around their neck. I actually don't think there could be any farther a gap between the differences of the two guys, which is ironic because they both were kind of rivals, right, when he, Ohio State and Michigan, and they hated each other. But I, I, I could ne- now Urban Meyer better college coach, right over his tenure than Jim, even though Jim finally won that championship. Not Urban to me is one of the best college coaches I've ever seen, but Jim's one of the rare, unique guys in college football who can do it both. Steve Spurrier got to the NFL, failed, right? Barry Switzer laughed out of town eventually. The Jimmy Johnsons and Pete Carrolls are rare, and I, I put Jim in that category. As a Jets fan, I don't understand the hate NFL fans and the media has for our team. We're somehow ranked 7th in most hated fan bases in the NFL. We're on a 14-year playoff drought in counting. I don't get it. I don't even know. I mean, I know where you're coming from, but I, how do we even rank that? We have shown for two seasons that our defense could win us 7 games with a basically non-existent, non-existent offense. Surely with Rodgers coming back, and seeing the success he has with Hackett, I think at least we can make the playoffs even with our turnstile of an offensive line. I'm not saying we're a Super Bowl contender, but I think the AFC is actually much weaker than we thought. And barring the Chiefs, I think we can play with anybody. Uh, 
I'm going to have to push back on that one. I've defended Rodgers over the years. When a lot of people kind of nitpick him, I think he's one of the best players I've ever seen. You know, I'd, I'd have him in the mix to be a top-five quarterback of all time, right? Brady, Montana, Elway, Manning, him. Like, I'd put him above Marino. Uh, I'm putting Rodgers above Steve Young. Uh, just speaking of the last, like, 30, 40 years, I, it's hard for me to do the namists and the, that kind of crew. But you're getting a 40-year-old Aaron Rodgers off an Achilles injury who his last full year playing looked a little off. So, I, I don't know, man. I was someone who was a huge believer. You get Aaron Rodgers, I'm like, I think the Jets are going to win 11, 12 games, compete with the Bills for the division. I think I picked them because I wanted to do something different. But I, I thought the Jets, healthy Rodgers, be a 10-11 win team. I don't know. Because even if he doesn't tear his Achilles, I think he gets injured. He can't move like he once did. Your offensive line is not good. You know what your biggest issue, though, is? Does your coordinator have any clue what he's doing? Any clue what he's doing? That article about the Jets and the Athletic, watching your team, he might just stink, man. Now you can go, well, him and Rodgers, I don't know. (sighs) Rodgers played his best football winning those MVPs when he kind of gave in to LaFleur and met him in the middle on running that offense. Clearly, the Ford knows, knows what he's doing as a play caller. Does Nathaniel hack it? Because I would say sitting here is right now is no. Now, I'm with you. The AFC, like the Browns are going to be way worse. The Sean contract. It might take Harbaugh a year. Like, it wouldn't shock me if they're more eight or nine wins than they are 11-12. Uh, the Ravens lost their defensive coordinator. Burrow health issues. T. Higgins. You know, the Bills have a lot of roster question marks. Uh, the Dolphins, are they going to pay Tua, their defense, their defensive coordinator? What the hell's going on there? So I, I'm with you. You know, beside the Chiefs, there are a lot of question marks in the AFC. Denver has no quarterback. Uh, what division am I missing? I mean, Jacksonville, ton of questions there. Tennessee stinks. Uh, who made the play? Oh, Houston. I mean, they're, they're an intriguing team, but they're, they're probably a couple years away from, you would say, being like a complete team. So, yeah, I mean, I... But Houston might be like third or fourth best team in the AFC next year. It's definitely plausible. It is. I just got personnel questions and coaching questions. And when when they're all on the same side of the ball, that's a problem. And Aaron's 40 years old. Like most people are not Tom Brady. I watched Peyton Manning in that Super Bowl. I I watched him twice live his last year. I love Peyton Manning as a player. It was kind of sad. It really was. I mean, Drew Brees could barely throw the ball. Roethlisberger went from throwing 95 miles an hour to 80. It usually ends bad for guys 38 to 41. It's usually not some swan. Like Tom Brady was still throwing the ball well when he retired. He just didn't really want to get hit anymore. Don't blame him. But it wasn't his arm. And listen, Rodgers' arm's not going to be the problem. But what made him a special player was movement, athleticism, I think those days are over, man. The volume. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, 
The cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash.